the Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others, is pleased to present the C4SO Podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO, a diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Hey, everybody, welcome to the C4SO Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Ben Sternke, and today... We're continuing our occasional series. We've been kind of dipping in and out of this series over the course of this past year uh, That on that's on Bishop Todd's Remissioned Church Initiative and Questions for 2022. And so this series is all about how our mission field has changed from just a few years ago and seems like it's going to continue to change uh, with the landscape of COVID and politics and sexuality and gender norms, social justice issues. In the midst of all of that, what does it look like to pursue faithful, effective, contextualized kingdom ministry in our time? That's what the series is all about. And uh, to help us with this series, we're asking C4SO leaders how they are returning to the basics in 2022, how they're exegeting their mission fields, how they're raising up leaders, how they're engaging their communities in conversations about faith and uh, all kinds of stuff. So during this series so far, we've talked with um, we've talked about several of Bishop Todd's questions to our diocese, including how we're resetting mission priorities um, in response to the changing uh, dynamics of our mission fields, how we're helping churches engage in conversations about faith, and how we're preparing for our next church plants. And today we want to focus uh, on the question, who are your next leaders? Again, this is a question from Bishop Todd to the diocese. Who are your next leaders? Every clergy person should be mentoring, coaching, and encouraging potential leaders. And to chat about this question, we are welcoming back two regulars on the podcast. You guys are probably regulars at this point, I think. Uh, Leon McKenzie and Drew Henley, who are the very reverend regional co-deans of the Southeast for our diocese and also colleagues on staff at Redeemer Community Church in Atlanta. Drew, Leon, welcome back to the C4SO podcast. Thanks for having us, man. We're glad to be here, Ben. I am glad to hear that. How, like, just up, update us a little bit. How, how have you both been? What's been going on at Redeemer? Uh, oh, at Redeemer. I thought you were asking about Oh, well, life. you know, in your personal life as well. <laughs> sure. Yeah, just, uh, any and all, any, yeah. any remarkable uh, events that you just want to catch catch everybody up on? Yeah. Um, church has been going fantastic. I think we both That's talked good. about uh, how how encouraged we've been by the fact that every Sunday we have new families coming. Oh, that's good. And I'm not sure how common that is across, you know, other churches mm-hmm. um, nationally or even in our diocese or denomination, but it's been awesome. We've, we've been enjoying yeah. the heck out of it. So. That's yeah. great. That's great to hear. Anything from you, Drew? Updates? Yeah, we're coming up on. Uh, we just passed a year in uh, our new new space, um, oh, and that's fun. been. Yeah. It's just been fun to get settled in. Yeah. Um, and it just gives us a chance to be a lot more hospitable to kind of newer folks who are, are grafted in. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we I think we we stay very encouraged on kind of the people God's bringing to Redeemer uh, and also very encouraged on how the people that have called Redeemer home for a long time are just loving each other uh, mm. well, serving each other, sacrificing for each other. Uh, so yeah, we, we stay pretty yeah. encouraged um, as, as priest over at, at Redeemer. 
That's so encouraging, man. I feel encouraged uh, by that report, and I hope our listeners do as well. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Appreciate it. Um, so as we mentioned, uh, we want to talk today about Bishop Todd's remissioned church question, who are your next leaders? Every clergy person should be mentoring, coaching, and encouraging potential leaders. Um, I think to get into this, I'd love to ask how y'all uh, invest in this priority as a church currently. So, and, and I'm wondering on two levels, both on a programmatic level. So do you have specific sort of programs or initiatives that you invite people into that relate to developing uh, potential leaders? And or um, on the level of sort of leadership habits, um, just sort of uh, regular things that you might uh, be, do, a lens that you might look through, you know, um, to look at your congregation or uh, leadership habits and practices that you recognize that you, you know, you maybe practice there at Redeemer, um, that you would say this helps us to, um, you know, mentor, coach, and encourage potential leaders. So where, where would you start with that? Yeah, I have a long answer. So, okay, buckle up. So Drew, if you want to, if you want to <laughs> give whatever, whatever answer may be shorter before I go into my longer answer. Okay. Um, yeah, I can dive in. I can dive in. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, Ben, when you sent us this over, I felt like it was uh, like both like, you know, affirming when I thought about how we did this, but also challenging in that yeah. like this is happening at Redeemer, but uh, but it's something where I was like, man, I want to I want to think even even more intentionally about it mm. uh, for the future as well. But uh, one one way that I see this and what Leon Leon share kind of how with kind of what he's doing. But one way I see it a lot is with our worship director, uh, Rachel uh, Jeanette DeBru. Um, so she's been leading worship um, since we opened the door. So nine years ago or so does a phenomenal job. And but one thing that we see a ton in her is that she gives space to uh, additional uh, worship leaders who are willing to kind of jump right in and work yeah. alongside her. Um, yeah. So she creates space for them, um, both from a um, uh, just in order to like be on the musicians on the team uh, to mm -hmm. where she leaves room for them to work, uh, as well as if she, you know, needs a Sunday off, she will give them the reins and support yeah. them and yeah. kind of be in a big encouragement. So I see that a lot with her. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel, definitely a fantastic example of developing other leaders. And um, she's actually been a huge encouragement to me um, in my process of considering what I'm doing to develop um, other leaders. And mm. uh, she she's just so incredibly pastoral. But this is not the Big Up Rachel show. I hope she listens and, and hears. <laughs> she had her own, I guess. Yeah, yeah Big yeah, yeah. Up. But yeah. She's been encouraging both Drew and I to consider what we're doing to develop um, people in the court and others. But about it's been about three years ago now where I preached a sermon on the Great Commission, Matthew 28, mm -hmm. on those, those last few verses. And yeah. um, and for some reason, when I preached it, uh, it just I just uh, when I when I was studying for it, I I was just stuck on the make disciples, you know, mm -hmm. and I just could not get away from thinking, what in the world am I doing to make mm -hmm. disciples um, mm -hmm. outside of just preaching sermons on Sunday mornings and all of the logistical things that are involved in being a pastor? Right. What am I doing to make disciples? And so um, I, I preached that sermon, and um, and I was just I was just on a kick of development of pouring into other people and developing people to do the work of the ministry to be faithful in their lives um facebook faithful spouses uh husbands and and wives and fathers and mothers and so 
three things were birthed mm-hmm. from that for me personally and professionally. Um, the two things professionally that was birthed was one, I just realized we really needed to work on intentionally um, getting our people into relationships and into uh, postures where they could be discipled, mm-hmm. right? From our yeah. perspective. Yeah. Um, regardless of what they were doing personally, the hope was that they were all having, that we all have faithful devotional lives. Mm. But what were we putting in place to help posture them so that they were being discipled and formed intentionally? And that transition to us looking for, for someone, because one of the other things we have to acknowledge is that our capacity was, was growing thinner and thinner, right? To, to take mm. more things on our plate. Yeah. And so we needed to find someone that we could empower to take this over, knowing that it was a need. And so for me, it was just to look around and think, well, who's who's passionate about this? Who just keeps bothering us about this? Yeah. And we found a guy. Um, uh, his name is Patrick Colts, and uh, he he was, I mean, he was all about discipleship. And he actually had a discipleship group, his own kind of one-off discipleship ministry. But he mm. was meeting with like I think it was like twenty-five guys oh, wow. um, every week, yeah. and. Some of them went to our church. Some of some of them had never darkened the doors of our building. Their mm-hmm. only affiliation was going to this discipleship group where they where they were being poured into. And it was it was it was easy to say that's the guy. Mm-hmm. And when we brought it up to him, he was like, "Man, the Lord has put this on my heart for a long time. I'm ready." Mm-hmm. And um, he just took it and and ran with it. And so that was one opportunity for us to acknowledge this is a need. We don't have the capacity. We need to pour into. We need to. We need to recognize and develop the next leader to do this. Yeah. And and he did that and that was fantastic. And, and that put a battery in our back to do that as much as we possibly could. Yeah. Right. Um yeah. To, to to see and develop people. So that that was um one of the things I've done professionally. Another thing that we did was um my passion in, in, in ministry, pastoral ministry, um, to acknowledge my weakness. Um, I'm not the greatest, most relational person in the world, which which is a, a terrible weakness to have as a pastor. I could admit that. But one of the things that I really enjoy, um, I lose sleep at night, it gets me going in the morning, is preaching. I love mm-hmm. the preaching ministry. And so um, I've been poured into from several different preaching cohorts and groups that I've been in throughout my life. And I thought, man, why don't I provide this for our people if there's anyone discerning the preaching ministry or wanting to sharpen that gift? Yeah. And so I developed a preaching cohort program at our church. Okay. And I just recognized a few people who I thought, man, maybe they would be good speakers. Maybe they'd given a talk at church before they'd run a, they'd run a course or something mm-hmm. like that, or in their own professional lives, they do a lot of speaking and they're sound mm-hmm. um, biblically. And I said, let me just reach out. So the first cohort were, were, was two women and, and a guy. And, um, and it went fantastically well, went through a couple books, talked about it, gave them opportunities to preach. And yeah. since two of them have actually preached sermons on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. at our church, and the other one does um, smaller speaking roles here and there. And so now I'm going through the second cohort yeah. with, with a group of guys and prayerfully huh. um, have some great results there. So, and lastly, at the same time, I just thought personally, what am I doing and just doing life with other people? desire formation and so um the lord sent three three men and he literally sent them they came came seeking me like hey i want to be disciple abraham abraham in the old testament three three visitors and and you know like hey we need to kill the fatted calf like that exactly and if there's anybody i would compare myself to in the scripture it is abraham (laughs) yeah yeah it is he through all nations are blessed so there we go. You you, you, you hit the it nail came, on. It the head came up in the lectionary, so it it uh, yeah. Anyway, anyway, so, sorry, yeah. I interrupted you. You you said you, these three yeah. these three guys. 
that you're investing yeah, in? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, they they came and and uh, and just um, been walking with them for, for three years. And huh. and um, one of the things uh, I thought about is when Jesus says, you know, he chose the twelve. Uh, mm-hmm. I told you my my answer was long. Then, so just <laughs> well, is that preaching gift coming out? It may be. Maybe my wife says anytime I explain anything, I get preachery. That's why she tunes me out. <laughs> yeah, she tunes me out because I'm I'm preaching. So um, I told her I don't have. I'm enjoying. I'm voice. enjoying this. So you go, go <laughs> ahead. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, good. But I just think about when Jesus says, you know, um, he says he chose when the gospel says that he chose twelve men that they might be with him, mm-hmm. right? He didn't say he chose 12 men that he might train them up to turn the world upside down, even though that's what they did. It was very mm-hmm. ontological. He chose them to just be and to yeah, be with him. Yeah. And so to think, how how in the world am I helping other people just be um, with the Lord Jesus Christ, as, mm-hmm. as he's called these 12 men to do? And so I just thought, man, I just started praying. And literally, as I was praying, these men just reached out to me. And, and so been able to walk with them and, and um, having no agenda. There's yeah. no, I don't have okay. any destination for their life in mind. I'm just... Yeah being with them and praying with them. Uh, one of them, um, when we, when we started, he was single. Um, now he's a scientist married to a soon to be doctor Mm -hmm. in California. And I was able to do their wedding. So that's been huge to walk them through that. Another guy, um, he was in one career path since then he's transitioned several different career paths and, and, you know, moved and now he's on a pretty, you know, clear path, what he's doing. Another guy, um, every day he's on another path in life. Mm. <laughs> every week yeah. you know and yeah. um and uh and he, he's not he's not the most um straight and narrow guy, guy in the world mm-hmm. but that's okay yeah. and i just choose to you know yeah. be with him and and, yeah. and and bless him however i can so um yeah that that's there's been a lot of int- intentionality in the past few years in my own personal life my professional life and us as a church and mm-hmm. in, in identifying and growing up other leaders just faithful men and women to yeah. serve at large so I love that. A couple things I'm sort of uh, piecing together and distilling as you guys talk. Um, one that there is there there is both kind of a programmatic and a um, just a habitual sort of life aspect to this, right? So, part of it is, hey, I'm going to do a preaching cohort. It's going to be, you know, I'm going to teach you a very specific thing that in that is a an aspect of one kind of leadership. Um, and so the preaching cohort, um, Rachel doing, you know, sort of providing space for people to learn how to lead worship, um, uh, that, that sort of a thing, um, is one aspect maybe of developing leaders. But I also appreciate, uh, Leon, that you brought up um, kind of the life-on-life life, uh, being with uh, aspect of developing uh, leaders and, and the connection you're making between developing leaders and discipleship as well is, an, is, a, is a third thing that I think is a key uh, aspect of this. I think sometimes there might be a tendency for us to separate those things out where discipleship is like, okay, I'm going to learn the basics of the faith uh, and get my devotional life in order, blah, 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 blah. And then leadership development is just like, we skip, I don't know, like we skip to some other realm and, we, and we're like, okay, well, now you're going to learn how to like tell people what to do or something. <laughs> it's like, no, actually like yeah. for Jesus, uh, his leadership training was his discipleship um, of his disciples. He was training them to uh, live into the calling that, that each of them had. Um, and, in, and in many ways, each, you know, each of their callings involved leadership uh, to some degree. So, so yeah, that's, that's super helpful to hear all of that. Um, maybe just a double clicking on a couple aspects of what I heard you guys share. 
One, um, what, what, uh, how do you identify potential leaders in your church? So you, you mentioned with the preaching cohort, Leon, that, you know, maybe people who have a speaking gift, uh, but of course not every leader needs to be a preacher or a speaker. Um, and so maybe reflect on that a little bit. Um, and Drew, maybe we can start with you, uh, again this time, but like, what do you look for when you, uh, think about finding potential new leaders? Yeah. And I will say that this has, um, I hopefully say matured has changed over time. Um, Mm. in that at this point, um, we are definitely slower to Mm. identify and kind of like place our hands on people than we were, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years ago. And I think early on, and this is, I'm more speaking to just kind of my mistakes, not like, you know, our staff is some of this even predates Leon's time uh, at Redeemer, but we were just so when we first planted the church. I think I was just so hungry for for help, um, <laughs> and so hungry for like growth. So hungry for yeah. just all right. Well, what can we, you know, we 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 have more people in leadership roles. We can kind of get more done and do nice. more things. I can yeah. offload some stuff off to my plate, mm. and that excitement to have a role filled. Um, I think caused me at times to overlook whether or not the person was actually ready for that role. Um, yeah. And the reality is that it is a lot easier to kind of lay hands on somebody, even as like, oh, I think you have a potential for leadership. It's much easier to lay hands on them than to lay hands off of them. Um, right. And right. there's a lot more, you know, a lot of damage that gets done, both to that individual and to, you know, the potential of yourself and the for community. Sure. So I think that kind of identifying potential leaders, we're slower than we used to be. Um, and I also think that we have grown and Leon's been a, a big part of the kind of the positive growth of this is that we are um, just a little more thoughtful, a lot more thoughtful in assessing kind of their character as well as their kind of their the strength of their theology um, as we are hmm. thinking about them as potential leaders okay. and recognizing that if we are not that there can't be growth in both of those areas, um, hmm. but recognizing like if we are kind of putting you kind of on a path uh, towards leadership. Um, we, we don't want you to really get very far down that path. If we have got questions like, like, you know, red flags about either character issues or theological issues that, you know, you uh, either have not worked through or are kind of um, uh, still trying to discern kind of where you land on some key you know, theological issues that would kind of put you kind of inside or outside kind of where we stand, you know, as a province uh, on these theological issues. So Mm. that's, you know, those are definitely kind of, those are more big picture uh, kind of of ways or factors that kind of lead us into how we're identifying potential leaders. But those are definitely two areas that we have kind of grown or matured over time. Yeah. I think that's really well said, Drew. Um, The, so it's not just about sort of looking for skilled people who can get jobs done. Um, but that they, they, they do need to have uh, at least a s- certain threshold of character that allows them to be, you know, um, to function in that role. And I'm, I'm filling in some of the blanks there, but I'm, I'm assuming humility and teachability and adaptability, you know, like people who don't think they know it all, people who are willing to learn and who are up for, so I, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of mistakes can be very quickly uh, corrected by someone who has a heart to learn and grow, um, that kind of a thing. Uh, but then also 
in terms of like alignment theologically, it's really important for your leaders to sort of feel like they're on the same page because even if they have got great character, if there's different assumptions theologically, you can end up, you know, at a crossroads where this decision would, you know, make sense. Uh, a decision that makes perfect sense to this person might not make sense for the church, but, you know, they're already installed as a, as a leader. And to your point, it's difficult at that point to say, oh, wait, um, we got to back up. Um, so that's, that's good. I, th- I think that's wise to clear some of that stuff up uh, ahead of time, um, or at least be asking those questions uh, ahead of time um, yeah. instead of being so desperate, like you were saying, desperate for the help, you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. the Lord, I mean, I look back on our early years. Um, yeah. I mean, the Lord has been very gracious to us for sure. Mm-hmm. And there was, you know, even I think about, you know, my own life, there's, you know, probably somebody could have said, well, I don't know about this or I don't know about <laughs> sure. that. Sure. Um, so there definitely is plenty of just kind of like, gosh, the Holy Spirit, um, his Holy Spirit works despite us, you know, not yeah. maybe being as discerning uh, as we as we maybe should have been in certain ways, or other people should have been with us. Yeah. Uh, and we've been very, very fortunate at Redeemer to just have the caliber of, of leaders, especially character-wise, over the years. But it definitely is as we get older, um, we just are we're we're we're, we're more okay going slower, uh, I think, than than, than ten years ago. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. No doubt about it. I think um, something you said earlier, Ben, about particularly connecting discipleship and, and, and leadership development. I think that one of the reasons why we have such a, a high prevalence of yeah. moral failings in the pastorate and leadership is for that very reason. Mm-hmm. We, we we divide yeah. discipleship from yeah. uh, professional development skills and those types of things. And, and I can honestly say that from those early mistakes we made with, with um, people just being in position and not necessarily having character, we've had a, an abundance of people come and, and leave because though they were incredibly gifted, they weren't getting opportunities yeah. to necessarily yeah. serve or lead because the character just wasn't there, you know, and, 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 uh, and those are hard conversations and, and those are difficult for us. Um, but I think that we are the better for it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's super helpful stuff, guys. Um, I'd love to double click on one more thing here. Um, you have mentioned a few of these things already, um, but I'm interested in ways that pastors who have a heart to do this, maybe leaders in our diocese who want to develop uh, new leaders, providing, um, how, how can they provide ways, opportunities for emerging leaders to sort of practice leadership and get feedback in an environment that's safe for the church and for them, uh, but also gives them real actual practice. And so, you know, you mentioned uh, your worship, your music minister, your worship leader, sort of providing this space for people to kind of come alongside. And so maybe they lead a song rather than the whole thing and pick all the songs and blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. And, And you mentioned with your preaching cohort, everybody has a chance to preach. And then some of them end up preaching on Sunday morning, right? And so there's there's not this like high stakes. Well, I don't know, let's let's throw them in and see how they do. Um, and I see Jesus do this all this time with his disciples as well, right? So they, hey, you guys have seen me do this. Like go out two by two, cast out demons. You know, the easy stuff. The, you know, the beginner level stuff, casting out demons and raising the dead, etc. Um, I always find that fascinating. That those are the first <laughs> things Jesus tells his disciples to do, and then later he's like, okay, now you can teach. Yeah. So now, now you can teach. You've got the character to teach now. But before, all you could do was cast out demons and raise the dead. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's good, right? 
Um, but anyway, uh, I digress. But Jesus provided opportunities for his disciples to do that, yeah. right? Um, they weren't leading ministries. They weren't in charge of the church yet. They were just going out two by two uh, on a little mission trip. And then Jesus brought them back and said, how'd it go? And then he gave them some feedback and reflection. So anyway, in a di- I'm wondering if you guys have more ideas for pastors who might be interested in doing this kind of thing. Like, how can we provide environments where it's safe for people to try stuff out and they're really trying it out. They're doing real work, but it's safe enough for them to make mistakes, uh, safe for the church for them to make mistakes. I don't know if you guys have reflections on that. Yeah, I have one. I think it's more so it has to do with the the posture of the pastor, like the leader, their heart. And I think they have to work on being okay with, with others making mistakes or, with them being in charge of someone who doesn't succeed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not see it as a person, not see it as a reflection, that's something that's reflecting poorly on yeah. them, you know? Um, so, and I, yeah, so I think that's, that's the biggest piece of advice I would say, you know, um, just be okay with people trying and failing. You know? Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, there is a, um, there's a death, a little bit of a death to self, a death to our kind of ego image, right. Of like, man, I'm going to have this church that everything is always amazing all the time. But if you're going to commit it, if you're going to be committed to developing leaders, it's not going to be amazing all the time. It's going to, it's going to be a little bit awkward uh, a lot of the time. So. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll ask some stuff for this one too. And that like Leon's saying, like it's, I 100% agree that we have to be okay um, Mm -hmm. as leaders and create some space. And if it's not, you know, you know, they don't knock it out of the park every time. Like that's okay. But I think some of that is you've got to, it's, it's kind of like a, kind of like a garden. Like if the, mm-hmm. the soil is healthy, uh, yeah. then like if you want to plant a certain plant, like you can kind of plant it in there and don't have to think about just that individual plant. Like, oh yeah, this plant's got to be perfect. Mm-hmm. So that the soil, the culture of the church is ready and willing and excited about developing leaders, that makes a huge difference. Uh, Like an example, I saw a Redeemer that was very, very uh, encouraging. Uh, It was probably six months ago. Leon, quote me, correct me if I'm wrong here, but six months ago, Leon, I was supposed to, I was supposed to preach and then I got exposed to COVID. Um, And then, and it was, you know, like January was the height of the, the Omicron variant. So I got exposed to it and I, I was out and then it's like, it's like Thursday. And then, so Leon's, you know, he takes the baton for this. I was present to preach that weekend and he, you know, he was like, okay, I'll do it. Um, and he, you know, started preparing and then he gets exposed to COVID. So then both of us are out. Um, and it's Saturday at that point. And so we, one of the guys in the cohort, a guy named Daewoon, uh, Kim, uh, we asked Daewoon on Saturday. We said, hey, buddy, like, you're up. Like, you <laughs> will like, get it ready. Um, and he had, he had a sermon prepared when we did the cohort and went in there. And he and we both, Leon and I were both watching it online and, you know, commenting uh, on YouTube, just trying to give him as much encouragement as possible. Um, and he got done with the sermon. And he did, he did a great job. I got mm. done with the sermon. And he got like a standing ovation from the congregation. I'll cry thinking about this. Uh, but it was, and it wasn't, and it was a good sermon. Uh, it was yeah. not like, you know, they're not like, you know, recruiting him for the next mega church based on this one sermon. It was really good. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. the people like so appreciated his mm-hmm. willingness to jump in and were just so ready to encourage the daylights out of him. Like yeah. they wanted him to succeed at this yeah. and be. Yeah. 
encouraged and to kind of move forward um, with pursuing his gifts in this in this area That's of service so to the church. Yeah. And that, yeah. like that culture, like really helps us to be, you know, mm-hmm. an opportunity for people to grow. And it helps because people people have shifted at Redeemer and we're not perfect at this, but they've shifted away from this mindset that church, like you were saying, Ben, the church has to be this like perfect, um, you know, no, you know, all the I's are out and the T's are crossed. And the goal is like a perfect Sunday morning. Uh, And that's just has never been the goal of healthy churches. um, And it shouldn't be our goal. Um, So we, yes, we want to be excellent in our preaching. Yes, we want to be excellent in worship. Yes, we want to be excellent in the liturgy and all these things. But it's, these are, we're real people that make Mm -hmm. mistakes and are not perfect. And we can create an environment where that's okay. Then it's kind of fertile ground for new people to come alongside and not feel completely overwhelmed or that they're going to be scrutinized uh, to the nth degree you know, yeah. on what we've asked them to do. That's so good. What a cool story. Um, and I think that highlights, I mean, this gets back to some ecclesiology stuff even for me, because I, I think so, for some reason, I think when we, when we think about our Sunday morning worship service as some sort of production that we're like, we're like giving people a, a, a production that they're going to consume um, I think that's where we get into all this trouble. And that's why we can't afford to develop leaders because, well, the sermon has to be better than, you know, it's got to be better than average every single time because, you know, we're putting on this production and people need, you know, they're trying to get their money's worth. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm being intentionally crass. Um, but like a, a community of faith at worship on Sunday morning is fundamentally different than a Broadway show. I mean, they're both cool. You know what I mean? Like, I, I love a good show. But that's not church. That's not Sunday morning. That's not what it is. It's a community worshiping together. And so, you know, Daewoo stepping in, like, of course, everybody's going to be excited about that because it's like, well, you're just helping us worship. That's that's all you're doing. And, you you know, you've got the skill to do it and you were willing to do it and we appreciate you and we love you. That's a beautiful example, I think, of that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. One other example that came to mind too, and this is credit to Rachel, um, but she, um, for this last, for Lent, we did a a devotional and instead of us just as a staff writing the devotionals, um, she put a call out to kind of any member at the church uh, that wanted to sign up to write a devotional. And there were, I think probably 25 or 30 um, people that wrote devotionals. Um, And we, you know, got them all printed out and, you know, gave them out, you know, at the first week of Lent for people to walk through. But it was, and they had, you know, there were requirements and we give them guidance and Rachel kind of oversaw the whole project. And there were some that were sent in and they needed, you know, a lot more editing than others. Um, And, but like she, in that process, she invested into these people. They had an opportunity to use their gifts, got feedback on their gifts. And then they saw their gifts being used for the edification of the body. And like, it was just, it was winning the sales for so many people. Um, Mm. It was such a good idea by her. That's so good. Then one thought came to mind, and I don't mean this to be disparaging to anyone. I think we all struggle with this to some degree. Um, but um, not only being okay with others failing, but also being okay with them being better than you. <laughs> right? Yeah, right on. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think if we're honest, I mean, how many of us looking to train up next generation yeah. leaders, how many of us would be okay with, you know, we gave Daewoon that opportunity. Would I have been okay with him going up there and 
knocking out of the park like a mega church pastor. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Is, is that okay? So um, I think that's another, just, just to continue to speak to the posture of those of us who want yeah, to develop that's good. So Are you okay with, you know, discovering someone who may be yeah. And I say that honestly because as I th- heard him talking about Rachel, I just think about how much better she is than me, Pastor mm. and Gavin. <laughs> She's just amazing. That's but, so good. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that is so good, guys. I, I appreciate hearing about all this um, that y'all are doing. Um, yeah, I think that is probably good enough for now, but I do want to uh, conclude by asking two questions that we're asking everyone on the C4SO podcast this year. So I'll ask you guys both uh, these questions um, real quick without giving it too much thought. What's a book, TV show, or movie that you appreciated recently? Oh, man, that's an easy one for okay. me, man. It? There's this it? new book that just came out, man, by this guy, Ben Sturk, man. What, what is it? <laughs> oh, Sturk Huh? What? It's an, oh, it's a new it's book? The, it, oh, okay. It's a new okay. book. Uh, <laughs> tell, tell us about it. What is, oh, man. It on? You guys are setting me up. You're setting me up. I, I do have a new book uh, that I that I wrote. Uh, C4SO is going to hear about it later. We're making a little video. Andrea's going to send it out. Don't worry. So anyway, but I appreciate that, Leon. So, thank you. Um, awesome. I, I've been reading a book. Um, I've got four uh, little kids at a book called The Intentional Father um, by John Tyson. I uh, oh, read okay. it um, yeah. earlier this earlier this spring. Um, mm. And just been, uh, yeah, I feel like I've, I've kind of entered the phase with our kids where they're not babies anymore. They're 6, 8, 10, and 12. And these are the formative years of parenting. And mm. I've found a lot of life and just some very practical uh, kind of tracks to run on. So that's, that's been, great. that's been very life giving. That's great. John's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. I've been reading <laughs> too many books. I'm in an adoptive ministry program. Yeah. So it's hard for me to, I mean, I'm, it's too many, but the book that kind of captured me and I just can't get away from is the book on culture by N.T. Wright and, um, Fujimara. Oh, if I heard of that one, um, uh, oh man, the name is, is, is but anyway, just speaking about mm. caring for culture. Um, it is, it is, wonderfully written extremely encouraging and challenging yeah. uh, so uh, yeah I'm looking, it up, it up, looking it up uh, here is it called Art and Faith A Theology of Making Art and Faith okay that's it uh, that's it that's yeah. it. it it is fantastic and it, it speaks very well to what we're supposed to do with our current cultural hmm. moment where the highest form of creativity is who you are hmm. right um, we're in a celebrity yeah, culture and so what everyone is buying is who are you portraying yeah. yourself to be yeah. on social media, right? And so, oh, so it, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for sharing that. The second question is this, how can we pray for you? Uh, yeah, just uh, me. I'm, I'm, I'm doing school. I'm doing fatherhood. I'm doing husbandhood <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and churchness. Church, so churchhood. A lot. Priesthood. Yeah. Churchhood. I'm doing priest. I'm doing yeah. priestly things. So it's a lot. So prayers yeah. for resilience. Yeah. I'm assuming energy. Yeah. All right. Very good. Drew, how about you? How can we pray for you? Um, prayer for me would be just that I would take do a better job of taking some time uh, each week uh, just mm-hmm. to just to kind of uh, kind of recenter, kind of reassess. Uh, kind of how how I'm doing, where I'm finding identity. I have mm. a, a lifelong struggle with just the wheels 
turning very quickly and then you know and on the hamster uh, okay. on the hamster wheel and just go 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 yeah, and it's, yeah. it's always been a struggle for me to like take a deep breath and just kind of assess like how are we doing how am i doing and mm. my wife and i have have been on a journey the last month and a half or so where we've been just kind of asking a lot of questions of in our marriage and our family mm. of like how 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 actually are we doing and it's yeah. been hard uh, yeah. let me tell you it's been easy yeah. uh it's been messy and hard but we are kind of getting a little bit to the other side of some of those questions and it's just been so good for us oh, um and just we slow we slow down a good bit um and just just kind of reprioritizing um and wow. i i could use prayer just for just to keep that as a rhythm uh in my own in my own life okay. yeah yeah, man, really appreciate your vulnerability. Uh, and uh, yeah, just taking the time to share with us what you guys are learning and what you've discovered about uh, developing leaders. So thanks a lot. Really appreciate you being on the podcast again today. Yeah. Glad to be here, man. All right. Well, until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.